Good morning. Everything's moving fast right now. Caleb's getting ready to graduate, then there's one left in the household. Praise Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So uh, anyway, past few weeks, been busy. It's going to get busier, but it's going to be great. Summer is almost here. Lots of camps, lots of different things going on. Thank you for all the support that you guys have given. Lots of kids, lots of adults going to camp this summer. It's going to be a great time. Past couple of weeks, uh, we have celebrated moms. Great mom day. Uh, we dedicated babies. Last week, we celebrated our graduates. And uh, it's been a really good time. And we've been in the middle of all of this with our series, Family Matters. And we're in the series, Family Matters, because family matters. That's exactly right. We're going to talk about something today. And I, and I know this doesn't affect your, this doesn't affect my house because pastors don't have tension in their house. There's never any conflict in the pastor's house. And so we're talking about you today, not me. Okay. Just want to make sure that we clarify that. Sean Packer, good to see you. There he is, Leanne. He's right there. I see his face. And so uh, anyway, we're going to talk about conflict. Is that okay? Just look at the person next to you and say, is it okay if we talk about conflict today? Just look at that, because we're going to talk about conflict regardless if they say it's okay or not. We're going to deal with that. There's going to be conflict in this room. And we're going to talk about conflict because it's something that all families have in common. Tension. Conflict. As my brother Steve Whitaker says, intense fellowship. Okay? That's what you're supposed to call it. And all of us handle conflict differently. There are those that are the peacemakers. How many peacemakers do we have in the house? Those are the ones that go to all extent to make sure that peace is kept. They don't like conflict. Peace is what's most important. And then we have their, what's called the up and outers, okay? Dottie, that's the people that um, when conflict comes, they're up and out, okay? <laughs> then we have the debaters. Those are the ones that won't want you to know that they know everything and they're going to let you know that they know everything. And at just about the time that you think they're beginning to wind down, you find out, no, baby, they were just taking a breath and it starts all back up again. And then there are the ones that are the, um, the antagonists, the ones that just seem to always be, just, just always be there. And then the pessimist, you know, the one that the, the, the glass is always going to be half empty, never half Full. They're the person that walks into the party and the lights just seem to, to dim. There's a million reasons why things will never, ever work out. And then there's the screamer. Do we have any screamers in the house? Those, <laughs> they just laughed. I had some finger pointing in the early service, you know. I'm not going to tell you, but I'm not going to tell you, but I saw it. You know, the, the screamers. And uh, so there's all kinds of different personalities, especially when we deal with conflict, things that, that come out. But there's one thing that's always in common, especially in the home. There will be conflict at some point in time. But how do we handle that? We're going to go back to the New Testament, to a letter that James wrote. And so you want to turn to the book of James. That's where we're going to be at today in chapter 4. Because one of the things we're going to find out today as James speaks to us, as he writes, is we're going to learn that there's one source of of conflict, and we're going to see today if we can identify what that source is, where it originates from. And so let's turn there to the book of James. And listen, can we just pray for a moment this morning? And before we pray, aren't we a blessed people? I mean, listen, I, I, and, and I, I, love, I love when we spend time 
and give you an opportunity to share because we are blessed and the Lord is very gracious to us. And I don't even know if you begin to understand how great our staff is. You know, we have an incredible staff here. Matter of fact, a lot of times I feel like the low man on the totem pole. We just have sharp people. But God has blessed us, and we are very, very blessed. I mean, last week, I mean, did you hear Brian's sermon, Life on the Altar, last week? It was incredible. And we just have some very talented people here. And so, but can we just go to the Lord in prayer and ask him for his blessings today? Father, Lord, as we spend time, as we laugh, as we cry, as we gather in this place, I just pray that the word of God would be elevated. And Father, that we would be diminished. Father, would you speak to our hearts today? No creative story that be told, but Father, the Word of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. That's what I pray. And as a result of that, Father, our hearts would be moved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, in the early service, we had Wayne Turner was baptized, and Wayne, uh, we showed a, a video of Wayne's testimony. and and uh, some incredible things that, that Wayne had shared as a result of his life. He was baptized as a young man. I think Wayne's in his 70s now. But Wayne called me after Easter, and he said, he said, Pastor, the Jesus that you're talking about is not the Jesus that I've walked with for the past X amount of years. He said, I was baptized as a child, but my life has never, has never, um, it's, it's never been different. And he said, I sense God doing something in my life. And uh, we had an incredible conversation. He's walked through a time of, with Brian and talking about baptized. He was baptized this morning in our, in our early service. But let me tell you something. When, when, you, when you come to know Jesus, your life changes. And if, and if there's no changes in your life, you need to ask yourself. You need to, take in a, you need to check yourself, as a friend of mine would often say. You better check yourself. Because when you know Jesus, you know change. There is no Jesus, there's no change. And so here's James, the writer. He is the leader in the early church. He's the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, he writes this book somewhere around 49 AD after um, Jesus had, had, been, had been crucified. He had resurrected. He descended to heaven. As a matter of fact, today is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day that we celebrate that the Holy Spirit came when the people were gathered in the room. When Jesus was getting ready to leave, he said, listen, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to stay there until the Holy Spirit comes. Earlier on, Jesus had told them that the Holy Spirit, he was going to not leave them alone, but he was going to send the Holy Spirit, and he would be their counselor, their comforter, their teacher, and he would convict them of sin. And today is the day that we celebrate that the Holy Spirit came in that place and filled that room. And it would be Peter that would stand up and give a testimony of Jesus and what was taking place. And he said, look, man, these guys aren't drunk. This is different. This is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And God's word began to permeate from that place. And Peter stood up and told them, this Jesus that you crucified, man, let me tell you what, he died for our sins. And that day, 3,000, more than 3,000 were, were saved, and the church was begun on Pentecost on that day, that day back 2,000 years ago. And so we celebrate that. And so here's James. Here's James some 20 years later, give or take a few years. He's, he's writing to Jewish believers. 
Jewish believers uh, in the first century that had been scattered as a result of the persecution that had taken place there in Jerusalem. And so when the persecution came, the Jews that were believers, they were scattered out and they went into these different places, these villages where these Gentiles were. And the first understanding that these Gentiles had of Christianity was what those early believers brought to them when they fled to these, to these villages and communities. And one of the thoughts that we have behind this um, is that James was writing for specific reason. He was writing to those believers. And he was like writing to them and saying, you know, um, if you say that you're a believer, you need, to, you need to act a little bit differently. There needs to be some differences in your life. I mean, if, you are, if you're a believer, there should be these, these qualities, this, this difference, the fruit of the Spirit that we see within your life. And there had to be some kind of a conflict going on because here in James chapter 4, he's going to bring it up. He's going to talk about it. Guys, what are you doing? Why are you acting this way? I mean, have you ever wanted to say that to somebody that said that they were a believer and you're like going, hey, why are you acting that way? You're supposed to be different. And so he brings it up. And there's one thing that we can say about conflict. When we're in the midst of conflict, conflict is never my fault, Scott Wyatt. Never my fault. It's always yours or somebody else's, but it's not mine. He's not spending enough time with me. She's spending all my money. My boss isn't fair. My mother-in-law's lost her mind. <laughs> not my mother-in-law. <laughs> my kids, what in the world are they thinking? I mean, there's all kinds of reasons that we experience conflict, but none of it's ever my fault. You understand? You with me? We're on the same page. I want you to write this down, take a piece of paper, put a note, do something, but write this down. As long as we blame others for our unhappiness, we will always be unhappy. If Bill O'Brien were here today, he would remind us of a song because he's an Eagles fan, one of those bands from a long time ago. He would write and he would tell us about the words of this song that says, I, I turned on the tube and what did I see? A whole lot of people saying, don't blame me. They point their crooked finger at everybody else Spend all of their time feeling sorry for themselves. Get over it. Get over it. That was that old song. Listen, there's always somebody else to blame. There's always another place to point the finger, especially when it deals with happiness. I mean, isn't it easy to blame other people for our unhappiness? And when we do that, what we're saying, listen, is you're in control of my happiness. And when you tell me that I can be happy, then I'll be happy again. And you may say, well, man, that's, that's, that's not true. But how many times do we allow that to happen? How, how often is that the case? I mean, maybe you've even used this phrase, this phrase that said, if you only would have, then I could have. You know, if you would have only, then I could. You know, if you would have made more money, if you would have taken more time, if you would have paid a little bit more attention... And when we use phrases like that or something similar, what we're saying is that my happiness in life is dependent and based upon uh, your actions. When we blame others, what we do is we say, you're in control. Now, this ought to make some of you mad because some of you don't like other people being in control of you. So this really ought to tick you off today. But that's what it says. I mean, Meredith and I have celebrated, getting ready to celebrate 33 years of marriage in July. 33 years. Can I just tell you, there are plenty of opportunities to give our happiness away. Do you hear me? Lots of opportunities over 30, 
three years to be able to give happiness away, to be able to blame others, but it doesn't get us any place. And so here's James in chapter 4, verse 1, and listen to what he says. And the question he asks, starting out, what causes the quarrels and fights among you? And then he goes on to say, don't they, talking about the fights and the quarrels and the conflicts, the confusion, the tensions, don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? And James says, listen, even though you think that the source of the conflict is a result of an outside influence, him, her, them, or they, James says, no, it comes from within. But if you're like me, that's not how it feels, is it? I mean, the conflict is always somebody else. It's not me. It's not my fault, but it's their fault. And James says, no, 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 no. Listen, when you feel the tension, it's not coming from the outside, but it's coming from the inside. It's coming from the heart. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. The root of the problem, the root of the problem is you're not getting what you want. Things aren't going the way that you think they should. Sure, I understand the circumstances may not be the best, but you aren't getting what you want. You might even have some good excuses, but the real problem, the real reason you're so upset is things aren't going the way that you want them to. And look at what James says. Look at what he says. You scheme, you scheme, and kill to get it. You're like, come on now. I mean, that, aren't you think you're taking it a little bit too far, but not according to James? I mean, I, I can't imagine wanting something so bad that I'm willing to hurt somebody around me just to get what I want, but how many times does that, that happen? And to think that James is writing this to supposed believers and followers of, of Jesus. I mean, come on. I mean, you would expect this if these were people that weren't believers, but I mean, he's writing this to supposed believers. I mean, think about it. I mean, how many stories have we heard over the years? Just think. How many stories have we heard over the years where families or friendships or business relationships have not only been damaged, but they've been destroyed as a result of somebody not getting what they wanted? You ever heard of a church going through conflict that was not only damaged but destroyed in chaos or confusion because somebody's expectations weren't met? Somebody felt like they deserved better? And those fights and quarrels can be over the silliest and smallest of things. And yet, yet, the result is always the same. And every one of us have the potential not only to hurt, but James says, he uses the word kill. And I'm thinking, oh, man. And the whole time, it's because of you. It's, be it's because of you. It's because of you, not me. We always want to point the problem, point it at somebody else, because I'm not the problem. But James says, no, no, it's you. Not them, but it's you. And it's because you want something and you're not getting it. And as a result, you're willing to go to every extent to be able to, to make sure you get what you want, even if it includes hurting others. James doesn't stop there, but he look at what he goes on to say in, in verse 2. He says, you are what? What does he say? 
you're jealous. I mean, we got any jealous people in here? Would you just raise your hand, stand up? We want to give you a, a clap this morning. I don't see a lot of people standing. You know, he says, you're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Jealousy is one of those attitudes. It's really hard to see. I mean, the, you can look good on the outside, but on the inside, be just be, ugh. <clears throat> you know, friend got a new boat. Oh, it's so happy you got a new boat. No, you're not. You're just jealous. <laughs> it's hard to recognize What's going on behind the scenes is hard to detect, but the result is the same. And you know it's dangerous. You know that attitude is dangerous because how many relationships have been destroyed as a result of it? But, but what, what if instead of ignoring the reality of what was happening, what if instead of trying to just sort of bypass it and overlook it, what happens if, if we were to own up to it? Um... You know, the reason that I'm so upset today and the reason that I'm so jealous, the reason I'm, I'm, I'm acting the way that I'm acting is because I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. Things aren't going the way that I think they should be going, and so I'm just going to pitch a fit today, you know? But instead of ignoring the obvious, what happens if when we begin to feel that tension, that, 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 uh, that, that angst, that, that um, anger, that feeling, what happens if we were just to pause for a moment and ask ourselves, you know, why am I feeling this way? Why, why am I so upset? What happens if we were just to stop for a moment? Stop for a moment, just ask, why am I, why am I feeling this way? Because, you know, that one little simple step can go a long way. It can be a game changer, especially if we're willing to be Honest. Can I give you an example? But you, listen, you judge me, I'm coming after you. That's all I got to say. So Meredith's in here, so I got to be careful. Um, so um, a while back, just a while back, I don't, time doesn't really matter, but it's a while back, um, I found myself always standing at the, at, the, at the counter washing dishes, okay? And um, this happened for like several days in a row, and I got tired of it. I started to get angry, mad. I was thinking to myself, I'm getting taken advantage of. <laughs> started to feel sorry for myself, you know, and, and, and everybody was busy and moving and everybody's just going all over the place. But I thought to myself, come on, people. Am I the only one that can wash dishes around the house? I got all these kids. Everybody else is around here. Somebody else can help out. But it's not my job. Not my job. And I remember starting to feel this little bit of a bubble inside of me, you know, you know what I'm saying? A little, little bit of, it was tension that was starting to rise. And this happened after a period of time. And uh, so I'm, I'm standing there one night and, and after several days, and I, and I asked my, myself the question, you know, why, why am I feeling this way? What's the deal? And it dawned on me, the reason that I was feeling that way is I felt like I was being taken advantage of. Things weren't going the way that I thought they should go. I mean, how many times do we get mad over stuff um, and we blame others when the problem's really not the problem? Are you with me? When the issue's really not the issue. Forget about everybody else. I mean, how many times have we complained and we whined because of something? And it wasn't really about that, but it was really about this. I know you've been there. 
The issue really wasn't the issue. See, but the issue really wasn't about washing dishes. The issue was inside of here. It's in my heart. Because I wasn't getting what I wanted, what I thought I deserved, what I thought was due me. <laughs> I mean, I was struggling, people. You with me? I was struggling. But, but what if when those tense moments began, when we begin to feel that way, when they begin to surface, what happens instead of pointing fingers, blaming, you know, and trying to deal with the conflict from our perspective because we're jealous or self-centered, what happens if we were just to pause and ask the question, why, why am I so upset? Now, now it's really hard to, to even begin to think that we might be partially responsible okay, for what's going on. Because if we do that and if we happen to claim some of the responsibility for the issue that's happening, what we end up doing is we lose our ammo. I mean, I mean, we all need ammo when we're into, into a battle, right? You know, what we end up doing, if, we, if we're partially to blame, we end up losing the leverage that's so important. That leverage is a big issue. But when it comes to the family, can I just say this right here? It doesn't matter if you win. You still lose. Men, you understand what I'm talking about? I mean, you may win the battle, but baby, you're going to lose. I mean, that's just the way it is. I remember, and Meredith's going to laugh about this, years ago, we were in this uh, wellness challenge. And, um, you know, we, we had to go and we had to weigh ourselves once a week. And there were several couples that were in this. And we'd, they would take our BMI. For those of you, that's body mass index, okay, just to help you guys out. And so we would go and weigh one time a week. And then we would all call each other in the morning time. We would sort of go, what's yours? What's mine? You know, how much have you lost? And what have you done? And all this kind of stuff. And so I remember this one morning. It was, we'd always have to go at 530 in the morning. We were on the way back. And... Um, so we're on the phone with this, this couple. We're talking about what, and so I, they said, what did you, and I told them, Mary said, that's, no, that's not true. I, yes, it was. She goes, no, she said, that, that's not right. And I said, yes, it was. And she said, no, it's not. And I said, yes, it was. And she said, no, it's not, because I wrote it down, and I'm going, yes, it was. She said, no, it's not. <laughs> I made a U-turn. You remember that? Yeah. I made a U-turn. I remember it. I remember like it was yesterday. And she looked at me and she said, what are you doing? And I said, we're going back, fixing to do it again. And she looked at me and she said, really? <laughs> really? In other words, you can win this, but you're going to lose it in the end run. I mean, how, how long... I mean, as long as the focus is on you and not me, I'm empowered. But as soon as I own up to my part of the conflict, man, I lose power. And James would be like, that's right. Just imagine how many fights and quarrels in the home would cease if we were to be willing to ask ourselves and answer the simple question, why am I so upset? What's the issue? What's the problem? But how many of us don't want to go there because it's a whole lot easier to blame somebody else? point a finger. So in order to be right and get what we want, we fight for leverage. And James is saying that when we were at that place emotionally, we will go to every extent to get what we want. And it doesn't matter who we hurt or the damage that is caused. 
But upon the other hand, if we're willing to assume some responsibility and recognize that maybe there's a battle that's happening on the inside, it lessens the tension. Because see, there's only a tension that there's two opposing sides, right? That's it. I mean, there's only a tension if, Terry, if there's two opposing sides, take one of those away, it lessens the tension. In other words, at the moment that I feel the tension and I'm ready to man to pull out the, pull out the boxing gloves and go at it, that I don't have to ignore or deny what's obvious. Just own it. Meredith, you know why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling? It's because I'm not getting what I want. I'm jealous. I feel like I deserve more. You've been there. I, I, here, here are some, some, some challenges. I mean, maybe you've used one of these arguments. It's just not fair. You ever heard that before? You know, when we had all three kids in the house, it would, I heard it all the time. I heard it all the time. Now, Abby, she's married, she's doing her thing, and now we got Caleb, he's getting ready to graduate. We're going to be blessed with the sweetest thing of all, Anna Grace. And Anna Grace says that she's going to be on the family plan. I don't know what that means yet, but I think it means she says she's not leaving. But how many times have I heard that word? It's not fair. I mean, who even said that fairness needs to be something that's considered? Where did that come from? Because when we use the... Even when we use that excuse, it's not fair. What we're saying is, I'm not getting what I want. Or maybe you've heard this, but they promised. How many times have agreements been broken or promises been unkept and somebody promises something that doesn't happen? And in the long run, it still comes back to unmet expectations, doesn't it? And to acknowledge the tension on my part may not seem like that big of a deal, but I'm going to tell you what happens. If you start and you do that long enough, after a while, instead of pointing your finger, or first of all, what you'll do is you'll look in the mirror before you start looking at others. And isn't that important? But James doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, and continue there in verse 2, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Has it ever occurred to you? Have you ever thought about before you attacked or accused another person, before you sent that email, before you posted that on social media, before you set that meeting, before you made that call, before you called that meeting, has it ever occurred to you that, by the way, you know, here is your, you, you, you blew your cool and you made that scene. Has it ever occurred to you that maybe you're, you're, you're going to the wrong person? Has it ever dawned on you that, that maybe what you should do before you go to them, that maybe you go and you spend some time on your knees talking to God about the situation first? Hey, hey God, I, I really need your help. I'm struggling with my kids. Hey, hey God, I, there's something else going on in, in the home, and I, God, I, I, I want my husband to be kinder. Can you help me with that? God, I need some help with a coworker because I'm really struggling with them. Has it ever dawned on you? I want to say stop, drop, and roll, but has it, ever, has it ever occurred to you maybe that what you need to do, what we need to do is to get on our knees first? James is saying, listen, has it ever dawned on you that, that instead of running out and throwing a fit because you aren't getting what you want, that maybe what you need to do is you need to get on your knees and go to God first? Has it ever dawned on you that maybe you're talking to the wrong person? He goes on to say in verse 3 that even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are wrong. 
You only want what will give you pleasure. But let's say that you go to God, but the only reason you go to God is you go to God, but you've already made up your mind. I mean, you don't go to God because you're wanting to examine your heart. You're wanting to ask God for direction, but you go to God already in your mind. You just want God to stamp, stamp it with an approval instead of asking God what we might need to do. And James is saying, listen, have you taken it to the Lord? Have you talked to the Lord? And are you willing to take no for an answer? Are, are you trying to navigate or are you trying to manipulate the circumstances that when you go to God, you're trying to get what you think will just bring you pleasure? Can I ask a question as we, as we close up? Let me just ask you this question. Who around you is hurting? Who around you is hurting because you're not getting what you want? Think about that. Somebody in the home, somebody in the workplace. Is there somebody in my family? Is there somebody in my sphere of influence that's hurting? Because what we have communicated is that life would be so much better if you were to do these certain things, if things were to go my way. I mean, how many husbands and wives or spouses are struggling because they feel the weight to perform or live up to a certain criteria? How many kids are wrestling with the expectations that parents have placed on them when really the expectations aren't about them, they're really about me? Going beyond the family, I mean, who else? What about the, the pressures to perform in the workplace, something that you've communicated that life would be so much easier if you were to live this way or if you were to do this, and you can fill in the blank. And this can be so deceptive because we'll use things like, I just want you to be successful. Is that really true? Or is it because you're not getting what you want? Why the chaos? Why the confusion? Why the conflict? And the source of the conflict is not only the heart, but I'll tell you what it is too. It's also our belief system because if we really believe that God is who he says he is, if we really believe that God was sovereign, that he was all powerful and in control, it would remove some of the tension that we often feel to have to have things go a certain way because what we would say, Sharon, is that, God, I'm putting it in your hands. But we don't want to do that. A lot of times, we don't want God to be in control. That's why we take it back. I mean, don't misunderstand what I'm saying today. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be issues that are addressed because they should be. But what I am saying, before you charge in like a bull in a china shop and you set everybody else straight, what I'm saying is that what would happen if you'd just be willing to pause for a moment, Sandy, and just ask that question, why? Why am I so upset? Why am I so mad? Where's that tension really coming from? We say this often, before you go to them, go to him. That's important. In the middle of the tension, in, before you go to them, in for, before you respond to them, maybe we need to go to, to him. Before, bef before we go to our brother-in-law, maybe we need to go to, to God. Before we sit down and set our, our, uh, our friends straight, maybe what we need to do is spend some time talking to God. Instead of us telling them how disappointed we are in raising our voice, maybe we need to first go to God and examine our own life.
Because if you were to do that, it wouldn't surprise me if it might not change the outcome of what's taking place. And just because we're a believer or a follower of Christ doesn't mean that we're not going to face these difficulties. And remember who James is talking to. He's not talking to non-believers. He's, he's talking to people who are inside the church, supposed followers of Jesus. But what happens if we were to do that? It would help us handle conflict a lot differently. And instead of just trying to get what we want, we'd say, okay, Jesus, would you give me a little bit of an insight? Help me examine my life and tell me why I'm, why I'm really feeling the way that we feel. And you know, the uniqueness about this, and let's, let's not, let's just be honest. The uniqueness about this is that it's a battle. It's a battle that every one of us, that wages within every one of us. This issue of sin is not something that's, oh my goodness gracious, look what just happened. I mean, it's a battle that every one of us face. It's an issue that every one of us have to deal with. We all have not only been separated from people because of our sin, but we've been separated from a holy God. That's why we celebrate Christmas and Easter. Because God in the flesh came down to this earth, Emmanuel, God with us, in the form of Jesus Christ. And he would eventually be crucified on a cross for our sins. It's the whole reason that Jesus came. And for those of us that are willing to recognize that we're sinners and place our faith and trust in Jesus, we have the ability to have new life, to not only accept the invitation and follow Christ as Wayne did this morning, and he was baptized, but also to be changed into the likeness of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, that's what happens to those of us that are followers, that we celebrate the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, that now the Holy Spirit's not there, but he's, but he's here, Sandy. That's what changes us, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us see that it's not just you, but maybe it's me where there's an issue. And when we come to know Christ and we come to, to follow Christ and obey, it's amazing because there's a newness that takes place. And what Paul said as he was writing to the church in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Listen, are you new? Is there a newness in your life? Do you even see this being important? You will face conflict. But as a Christ follower, how will we handle that conflict, Steve? That's the biggest issue. More like Jesus, I would be daily walking close to thee. No Jesus, no change. No Jesus, no change. I want you to watch this video um, because uh, in just a few months, you'll have an opportunity to participate in something that we are bringing here, um, here to Fruitland Park. It's an opportunity to not only be served, but it's also an opportunity to serve. If you would just watch this and I'll finish this up afterwards. Hi, my name is Colleen Brooks. I am the director at Beyond the Walls Food Pantry. We are a ministry of Heritage Community Church. We started in 1993, Beyond the Walls, and it is our privilege and honor to serve our community here in Fruitland Park in Leesburg. 
We serve anywhere from 500 to 750 families each month. Beyond the Walls is starting to expand its ministry as we are going beyond the walls to help others in ways, and one of those ways is the mobile dental unit. God has called us to be a people of action. Let's answer that call. Hello, my name is Mike Smith. This is my wife, Lisa. Uh, we're originally from uh, Virginia, Chesapeake, Virginia area. Uh, we've been married for 43 years. We were high school sweethearts. Um, we both uh, came to Christ early in our life and we love Jesus. And when we retired, uh, we prayed many hours about what we wanted to do in retirement. And missions came to our mind. And we feel like God has uh, opened up doors for us to do mission work. Uh, we. Uh, served in many different mission capacities um, uh, since we've retired and we came to Heritage Community Church looking for a church that, that wanted to serve the community and uh, God landed us here and we, we just felt like this is where we needed to be. The Heritage does a lot of community ministries and we want to be involved in that and we have the opportunity now to do uh, work with the mobile dental unit which is a uh, community ministries uh, service that's uh, supported by the Florida Baptist Convention. And we want to open up the opportunity for you to help serve in this ministry too. It's going to be in August of this year, and it will be through the 16th to the 20th of August. And we would love for you, if you have a heart for missions and a heart for service, to join us in serving on the mobile dental. Hi, I'm Dr. Alan Hayes, and it has been my privilege to, to be Dr. Hayes for the last 45 years. I love being a dentist, and it is a, a great opportunity to serve people. If you have dental needs, for whatever reason you haven't addressed those needs, we welcome you to come and take advantage of these volunteer dentists that are coming to donate their time because they love people, they love dentistry, and they love opportunities to serve Jesus. And if you have fillings that need to be done or if you have extractions that need to be done, sign up, get an appointment, and come take advantage of this wonderful opportunity to have those dental needs met. As a pastor within the Fruitland Park community, I am really excited for us to have the opportunity to bring the mobile dental unit here uh, to not only work with our neighbors that, that, that are a part of Beyond the Walls, but also to extend it into our Fruitland Park community and beyond. It's a great privilege to be able to provide these dental services. We'll be having dentists that are coming in from around our county that will be serving and providing, uh, providing their services. We'll have dental hygienists and others that are in the dental field coming to work alongside of us. But there will be lots of opportunities for you to serve. Maybe you say, well, I'm not a dentist or I don't like medicine. Well, that's okay because there will be a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, whether it's helping fill out paperwork for people. Maybe it's just sitting down and having a conversation with someone about Jesus Christ. Maybe it's just sitting and listening. Um, there will be opportunities for, for us to be able to feed our volunteers. So there are multiple ways that you, you will be able to serve. And so make sure that you let us know. Um, whether or not you'd like to participate in that. The mobile dental unit is going to be here. There's two specific dates. The first is August the 6th. On August the 6th, that's a screening day for those that need dental services. That day we will be screening patients for financial need, 
for medical and then also um, setting and scheduling their appointments. Again, it's August the 6th. If you are in need of dental care, we need you to come to the church 8.30 to 4.30 that day to be um, schedule your appointment. The mobile dental unit will be at Heritage on August the 16th through the 20th. That's a Monday through Friday. And we will have both daytime and evening appointments. Monday and Tuesday we'll have evening appointments from 6.30 to 8.30. But um, on those days, we'll be servicing those that are in need. We will have our volunteer dentist and hygienist here. And we also will need people to help us serve those that are um, being seen on the mobile dental unit. If if you have dental needs, um, I want you to know that we're bringing the mobile dental unit here for you. So make sure that you contact Mike and Lisa. We wanna be able to serve you. That's why we're bringing the mobile dental unit in. We want to be able to provide opportunities for our people to be able to serve the community. That's another great reason for us bringing it in. But the biggest of all is that we wanna make an impact within our community. We're blessed to be a part of this community. We're blessed to be the hands and feet of Jesus to this community. This is just another way for us to be able to, to do that. You'll be hearing more about that, Mike and Lisa, in the early service, but if you're interested about being involved, make sure that you let us know. There's ways that, um, that you can let us know. There'll be some meetings, but we are developing that team of people. We're very thankful to have a church that not only loves Jesus, but it loves people, and it wants to make a difference. We want to do that. We want to be a light in this community. We want to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to be, um, to be Jesus to them. As you walk out these doors today, my prayer is that you would be reminded that we're going to deal with conflict, so the question is, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to handle it? Are you going to handle it in the flesh and always point fingers? Or are you going to ask, Jesus, is there something I'm missing? Why is this so important to me? Um, I'd like to be able to pray over you today. Father, thank you for the privilege we have Father, I just ask, God, that, that on this day, um, there's been something said within the scriptures that James wrote that just really pricks our hearts. Uh, help us to be mindful that we're different. We're not the same. When, 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 we, when we come to recognize our sin and we submit our lives and we humble ourselves and we cry out to you, the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit comes to reside and we become new creatures. And those things of the old are passed away and we're new. Father, help us to walk in that newness. Father, help others to see that newness within us. Help others to see the light of Christ within us as we interact and as we go on the highways and byways. Help us to be your ambassadors in this community. Help us to be a light to the world, Jesus. And for those of our partners around the world that are serving today, we pray for our missionaries as well. I pray that you would protect them and continue to provide. Thank you for a church that has a love for missions and for making a difference. Bless us now, Father, as we leave this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.